0: It's not just about the takeover of resources themselves, it's about essentially the takeover of humanity.
1: Welcome to the last American Vagabond. I'm excited to have another great conversation with James Corbett joining me today to discuss the budding biosecurity state and its technocratic culmination. So thank you, James for joining me today. How are you?
0: Uh, as well as can be expected given the circumstances, but personally, I'm happy I'm healthy i'm I have a lot to be grateful for, so I'm not going to uh, say any sap stories
1: oh good, good it's it's important that we Continue to focus on the positive that's around us because, you know, on that note to begin, there's a lot of it, Uh, you know, as much as it's, you know, darkest before the dawn kind of discussion, it really does seem that there's more people poking at things and waking up and asking questions than I've really ever seen in my lifetime. So that's nothing but it's not positive. Right. So that's it's we got to keep seeing that, you know, so I'm glad you said that.
0: Yeah. And uh, let's just take a moment to get a little meta with this because yes, in our position and what we do, we are pointing out the dangers and constantly showing people, you know, this, this is a trap, this is a psyop, this is going bad. But it is important to break out of that from time to time and say, you know what, my life, uh, there are good things in my life, and I need to appreciate them. That isn't just some sort of side thing to say that is an important thing that I'm not a guru. I'm not here telling people how to live their lives. But I hope people understand it is important to step back from the madness from time to time to appreciate what uh, the good things in life as well.
1: Yeah. I think that's important just in any situation, whether it's terror, you know, as bad as they think, or it's a great day anyway, like it's good just to take a step out of what you're doing and experience the world around you in a positive way. But I would also argue or just state that it's, I believe truly that we're at a point where it's, it's, feeling that much more dark and dangerous because we're making such great headway, you know, and it yeah. may feel a little counterintuitive, but that's the kind of idea. It's not like they're going to stand back and be like, Oh, you got us. <laughs> we give up, yeah. you know? No, agreed.
0: agree. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, given the technological progress that is being made on the various points of the agenda, the stakes keep getting raised more and more each and every time. And we're getting to the point where, you know, complete collapse of the entire global ecosystem is a real possibility given the kinds of crazed, Genetic engineering and other monstrosities they're forcing on the globe. There are there are huge serious problems that we are facing as humanity and I'm not here to downplay that.
1: Yeah, right. And either by design or by just malfeasance and just stumbling into some catastrophic problem for the human species. Either way, it seems like we're on a, you know, train or whatever's faster than that (laughs) in that direction. But, you know, on that note, that's, you know, really why we're here to talk about this today. And, you know, I think it's you and I have connected over the years on a lot of different topics. And and I I I find that the the conversations we've had that I enjoy the most, that I find reach the most and have the most effect are when we're just kind of conversing about what we, you know, because there's a lot of things we talk about. But when you really have flesh out a conversation, you tend to stumble into things that you might not have thought about or connect dots for other people. And so I kind of wanted to walk through this with you today and and start with just kind of broadly covid-19 in general and my my mindset is to talk about this and a couple of other things as it builds into the biosecurity state and the technocracy in the future but for those that may have not have seen your work on this or your topics your you know great work with James Evan Pilato, what is your perspective on like the current state of the injections and I don't know how much you've reviewed the the scientific research around it and the conversation. I'm sure you've done your due diligence. But what are your thoughts on on the dangers or you know the safety of these things as they stand right now, in your opinion?
0: Right. Well, I guess, first of all, I should say I'm not I'm not as laser like focused on this as I would like to be if I had a million of myself to clone because I have been working on longer term projects recently, right. including the the new Media Matrix documentary that's coming out right now. I've had a lot on my plates, but I have been keeping my eye on the newswires, obviously. And that's why I so appreciate the work that you do, compiling all this information on a regular basis and going through these stories, because I get a lot of information from that. But here's an interesting story on exactly this note that just came across the newswires here in Japan just in the last day or two. Japan grants first payment for death related to COVID vaccination. And so this news is talking about a Japanese health ministry panel that has awarded for the first time a lump sum compensation payment to the family of an elderly woman who died after suffering an allergic response and sudden heart attack related to a COVID-19 vaccination. And you can go on. I I hope people will check out the story. Um, It talks a little bit about this panel and how it's been set up and everything. And, you know, sorry, your grandma died, but here's... The equivalent of $324,000 and uh, and a 212,000 yen contribution to funeral funeral expenses. So there's your pat on the back and, you know, go with God, I guess. Right. Um, it's, it's a horrible story in some respects. But here's the thing that I find fascinating about this story. And I haven't had time to drill down on this yet. So if anyone knows any more detail about this or has seen other reporting about this, please let me know. I'm always open for... Uh, Info and suggestions at the contact form at Corbett Report. Um, But it says in this article, as of Monday, 3,680 people have had applications accepted for vaccine-related compensation, Hmm. of which 850 were approved and 62 denied. Decisions for another 16, with some cases involving death, were postponed. So Hmm. it's not reporting how many of these compensation payments were specifically about death, but at any rate... 3,680 have been accepted, applications have been accepted, 850 approved. So Mm -hmm. it sounds like Japan is acknowledging that there are vaccines, I mean, which seems a lot farther than a lot of countries, unfortunately, are going so far in trying to cover all of this up. But there are compensations that are happening. And who knows exactly how many of them are directly attributable to death. It does end the report by saying a separate health ministry panel of experts, which analyzes side effects, has received reports of more than seventeen hundred cases of vaccine related deaths from medical facilities, although no causal relationships have been recognized. Mm -hmm. More than seventeen hundred cases of vaccine related deaths from medical facilities. And that's what they're reporting in the mainstream news here in Japan, mainstream, the health ministry of. Uh, health expert panel is Mm -hmm. admitting to uh that's crazy but of course no no causal relation has been found therefore you know you can't prove anything
1: right important point to add there is that that's before all of this to some degree it was an acceptable conversation to point out that in any vaccine injury situation it's almost impossible to truly find the connection there and the argument i always point out i think it was the medical chief medical examiner from pittsburgh uh, medical center, I think I almost misquoted, but he spoke up early and said, well, if you have something you think is vaccine injury and you don't find a connection, that's usually a good sign. It's the vaccine. They won't hear that today. It's all fake news, but no. that's of very interesting. And as I know,
0: you know, but it's important to stress for the audience. This is precisely why over the course specifically of the past year, ramping up in the last several months, there have been so many stories about all of these things that you didn't know, but all of these things can cause sudden heart attacks. Did you know that this was related to cardiac arrest, Christmas tree lights, or whatever nonsense they're pushing? And it's story after story after story that have been running for the last several months, exactly in conjunction with the arising injection of the population. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, Kit Knightley over at Off Guardian has been covering that over the last several months. It's, once you put it together, it's just, it's so disgustingly blatant. They're not even trying to hide it. I think, really, except from the people who are just truly reading the day's newspaper and whatever it says. Okay, oh, yeah. I I didn't know th- this, that, and the other causes uh, sudden heart attacks. Oh well, I guess that explains why so many people are dropping dead.
1: Yeah, well, th- what I point out is that you know, do these things have some correlation with increased to some degree? Most likely, there's probably a study out there that argues this does that to some degree, but it in no way makes it clear that that's you know the, the amount we're seeing. But that's the thing is we keep seeing these things pumped out from every direction about every little thing you could possibly imagine, except the thing they've already admitted causes what they're trying to, you know, what you don't have exactly. to look at, the blood clots, the heart attacks, you know, and they've all admitted that's the craziest part to me is they'll come out and say, you know, yeah, it can cause myocarditis, it'll cause, you know, cause a blood clot, super rare, they argue, which I don't I disagree with fundamentally. But then when somebody points at it, they're like fake news reflexively. I always reference the division one golfer from uh, division one school college who got myocarditis from the injection. The doctor wrote it down as myocarditis caused by the injection. He went on to talk about it on TikTok, whatever else. And he's still censored to this day. It's just, it's like, but you told us it could cause that it's, it's staggering. So it's nice to hear that Japan is at least pointing at these more than, than most. That's at least a good sign there. But the point overall is that whether or not there's proof of harm, you should always have a choice, obviously, but that is enough right there enough to see that there's possible death. So people should not be forced, but it's still happening, you know? So I think yeah. the, the overarching point is that there is some danger here. I, I, you, I'm sure you would agree with that. To
0: some extent, I think that is filtering through to the general population here. It's hard to know f- based on online commentary and others, but I've seen people on in, in the Japanese internet at least starting to go, you know, do we really need a fourth booster? This is getting silly. You know, what is this really doing? Um, so there is more um, more vocal opposition to to what's going on here. But having said that, uh Japan re- remains whatever it was, whatever the government's saying, 81% fully injected with the first two rounds, whatever that right. means. Which is
1: inherently ridiculous when you realize that they're having a barrier for up to date, but still calling something fully something that's yeah. like that has no yeah. meaning. It's just they're running from this. Like it's very clear that they're all trying to kind of like get away from how obvious this doesn't make sense, even if some of them still buy the narrative. But my my, my next question is with what we're seeing. Right. So obviously they've admitted and been forced to admit Bell's palsy and blood clots and VIT vaccine induced thrombos- thrombosis thrombocytopenia and all these different things that their scientific research is saying, yes, possible, but super rare. So there's danger. And now we're seeing the VAERS information and everything. Can do- so it's pretty clear that there's something either going awry or you could argue that was the plan, however you want to look at it, but not what people were sold. So I wonder what you think about whether, in your opinion, based on what you've seen, do you feel like this was sort of the plan? a failure or you know what i was saying there like which way do you see this are they trying to cover up what they accidentally created or do you feel like this is a means to an end just your perspective on it
0: it's it's difficult to know at this point i think we will start to see in the coming years um whether this is truly part of the depopulation scam what i have held from the beginning is that fundamentally um i think what this is about is the setting of the precedent Mm -hmm. and uh you know, if it does have depopulation-ish effects, then all the better for for the uh, eugenicists out there. Um, but I I don't even think that's fundamentally the, the underlying point of what's happening right now. The point is that it has now been set and established, the sort of the parameters for the biosecurity state, where the, listen, trust the science, listen to the experts. They say, this is the cure for what ails you. They say, this is safe and effective. Now, uh, it's not mandated, guys. You just need it if you want to live, work, eat, shop, leave your home, whatever the case may be. But it's not a mandate, guys. Um, So they've they've really pushed every aspect of this that they can. And there has been legal pushback in a number of contexts. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, of course, the uh, the uh, Biden White House attempt at mandating for federal workers and everything has been pushed back a couple of times now. Um, but that just gives them the uh, the excuse to go in and start to say, well, OK, well, now we need to j- rejigger the mm-hmm. health uh, emergency health laws to in order to right. so that we have that power, because we all know we need it. Right, guys. Um, as I say, I think this is what fundamentally this is about, because whether or not this is the kill shot that will kill everyone or not, it it, it certainly leaves the door wide open for that to happen next year or the year after yeah. that or 10 years down the line or whenever they want to for monkeypox or whatever else they come up with
1: right and that being the case like you could argue that if you know if that is the case that this is essentially a way to see how far this could be pushed you know with with how much will they take with such little evidence and you know we'll talk about monkeypox in a quick second and that's an example of that right there maybe that's you know it's it's almost impossible to believe that they're calling this an emergency again after what just happened but we'll talk about that in one second i wanted your quick thought since you mentioned this I've had this, the, the conversation of depopulation comes up a lot in these circles, and it's one that I find hard to wrap my mind around. Not that that's not, there's plenty of logical reasons, stated, re, you know, resources, everything. But from my perspective, you, I, I have to, I want your opinion on why that makes sense from a, a point of view from somebody who uses these people like, you know, we're resources to them in its own right, right? People that are going to run things and manage, like doing the work, the peon work. So I I wonder why it would make sense if you can explain to me why, if you do think that's a viable possibility, why that would make sense, why they'd want to get rid of some of the people.
0: Uh, it's a good question, and it, it continues to come up. I was just talking to Alison Morrow, who I know you've talked to before, mm-hmm. about yeah. this uh, question that one of her um, subscribers had as well. And I think, first of all, we have to understand that I think the depopulation agenda uh, is not necessarily about... Uh, setting a number, like we're going to reduce population down to 500 million or whatever the Georgia, the Georgia Guidestones rest in peace (laughs) instead. I don't think it's about that per se, at least not in the long, long term. I think it's about the right kind of genes and the right Mm. kind of people being able to create. So I think that these eugenicists probably would be happy with the population of 10 billion or hundred billion or a trillion, Mm. as long as it was their kind of genes the right Right. kind, not these lower class riffraff so that's one way of looking at the depopulation agenda it's depopulation of you and me and everyone else at the lower rung of of power
1: that makes a lot more sense when you especially when you factor it in with the very obvious eugenics ties to the covid19 vaccination push you know the dalton institute all these different things that are very clearly wrapped into it and whether that was a part of it that makes much more sense to me
0: also i would say that um the other aspect of this is we are, I mean, whatever you think of the singularity and all that hype, we are going through the transition right now into the automation of a lot of jobs. Right. that are certainly in the next decade are there's going to be a lot less room for that menial labor that you were talking about before and sense. so what is the solution to this well don't worry the technocrats like musk and whoever are coming along saying ubi ubi um, we'll just give everyone money for existing and that'll solve all the problems right <laughs> uh, I, I don't think so the other way to deal with that would be say oh i don't know if some cataclysmic thing happened and wiped out a bunch of the riffraff population, then we wouldn't have to worry about what they're going to do once they get, you know, thrown out of their jobs.
1: Right. Right. Man. Thank you for getting into that. Cause that makes a lot of sense. It's such an obviously contentious topic because, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing that we'd even call it contentious when we watch governments in general carry out mass execution of people via war. And yet we would quibble about whether they would do this in a, any other context. It's
0: biggest cause of unnatural death in the 20th century. War government. Oh yeah,
1: government. Yeah, what's the, what's the term? Yeah, there it is. Yeah, I was going to say there's a, the term for it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Look it now, up. Yeah. This is Democide. this
1: is what's so important to recognize is that we, you know, we it's all about how you categorize the devil. Well, that's a good murder because we're doing it for freedom. Versus, you know, it's, uh, it's that's frustrating in its own right. It's a whole conversation we had right there. But so continuing on to the, from from in the COVID nineteen discussion of all this, so it's clear there's danger there. But to a point that really does matter in the context of the biosecurity state, do you believe that there is not even to get into like the terrain theory, germ theory conversation, because that's a whole discussion, which is an important conversation. But do you believe that there is a SARS-CoV-2 out there that is causing this problem, that it's an illusion or like kind of like Denny Rancourt's argument that there's enough flu, pneumonia, vaccine side effects to kind of lump together or that it's a mix of both? Where's kind of your feeling there?
0: Uh Well, I, uh, if I'm going personal, just based mm-hmm. on my own personal experience, I haven't had whatever it is. So I can't say anything from my own personal experience. I can talk about people that I know personally in my real life who have had COVID, whatever that is, mm-hmm. um and who have said this is like nothing I have had before. It is not a flu. So... I don't know. Are they lying to me? And why? You know, why Mm -hmm. are they part of some agenda to try to pull wool over my eyes? Um, I I think there is some sort of novel illness out there. Mm -hmm. What that illness is and that the numbers of that illness is being vastly inflated by lumping in basically every symptom under the sun so that you can essentially re uh, you know, you got the flu, you got COVID, you got sniffles, you got COVID. But I think there is also a novel illness out there and Yes, I do not know the causation of that illness, um, but a transmissible pathogen is not outside the bounds of reality. Yeah. Um, and the idea of bioweapons that have been created specifically to, to cause illness in the population is not outside the bounds of reality. In fact, we know that there have been DARPA and military programs doing this for decades, well-funded, secret, completely illegal. Um, some brave reporters have done deep dive digging to uh, uncover the sorts of things that are being done in the secret. So I certainly leave the, uh, the door open to all of those possibilities, but yeah, there there's some illness that's happening right now and um, it is causing problems for some people. Now, again, I think numbers are being vastly inflated. Mm -hmm. Um, through a number of different means in order to create the sense of crisis that necessitates the necessitates the bringing in of the biosecurity state which is what the real agenda is about and as to you know is this is this completely generated this was a synthetic crisis that was created specifically for this or whether this is something that just happened and they're jumping on it Mm -hmm. again i i don't have the paperwork on that if if somebody has the signed order yeah, right. you know <laughs> anthony fauci release release right. the germ or whatever i this I'd like to see it but
1: this, i this is why i value your work and your objectivity james because it's so amazing it's such a breath of fresh air today to not have someone this is for sure this because this is what i yeah. think you know but but you're right it, i so it sounds like kind of a mix it, it, i'm I, I think it's at this point i would be willing to say it's a, st- a statistical fact that this is blown overblown. Like you, you cannot ignore the flu and the included all this there, the PCR false positive, the cycle threshold on either side. I mean, all these things have a factor. And that's what Denny Rancourt's research really shows is that like, should they want to, this could have been a complete whole cloth illusion. Should they have wanted to, that is possible whether or not there is something. So I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with that, that I do think that there's something being used, but to that point, it's very clear that it, that we need to be on guard for what comes in the future. Because to your point from before is it's whether or not this is just sort of, you know, testing the boundaries and whether or not they like to the as I'm sure you're familiar with the parasite stress theory argues that they don't need anything. It's just the idea and it drives us into where we are right now. You know, it's interesting thought.
0: Which actually relates to something I was just covering with James M. Pilato on this week's New World next week. We're talking about the new study that you I know you covered recently about the antidepressants. And, you know, as it turns out, serotonin levels actually have no identifiable correlation to depression. Wow. Who knew, except everybody in the scientific community for decades, but they just never bothered to inform the public that, oh yeah, that chemical imbalance thing was completely cockamamie nonsense. So how do antidepressants work if... The, the supposed mechanism of their action has no identifiable or discernible difference. Oh, it's because of placebo effect? Well, it absolutely could be. And in fact, there was a study in 2008 that I cite in New World Next Week this week that uh, about that specifically, finding that there was, a, a, at the very least, a large correlation between antidepressant use and placebo effect. Huh. And uh, there was a lot of kickback to that study when it was released in 2008, of course. I would imagine uh, from a
1: lot of uh, big pharma people
0: like, Oh yeah.
1: You're blowing up our industry here. We don't like that. Right, so. right. Prozac that's our money bag right now. You know, it, it what kills me about the it's I mean obviously your point there's and I I haven't got to the, see the last episode. I'm looking forward to that now is the overlap with COVID-19 and the research and how that's exactly what we're talking about now. All the peer-reviewed science, the, the ignoring of it, you know, and and it's not as you as the the first part where it's it's more than just the fact that it doesn't do that also that the the drug itself doesn't even reduce the, uh you know, increase serotonin, like it argued, in most cases, it reduces it. And I'm actually going to do a little more of a dive on this. I was watching somebody's uh, breakdown of this that included even further back to the idea, and maybe you're already on this in in researching it, the idea of like the MKUltra program, LSD, and how this overlap and whether Mm -hmm. serotonin even is actually doing what we've been taught that it does do. And maybe there's an effort to reduce it in the population. Very interesting stuff there. And it perfectly aligns with what what we're seeing today. It's very interesting. You have any thoughts on that?
0: I I don't have any like detailed research on that, but uh, I'm very interested to see what you might uncover along those lines, because it's absolutely certainly a possibility Um, at this point. I mean, anything's a possibility, but uh, (laughs) something along those lines would make a lot of sense that something that has been targeted in the sort of public consciousness for decades may be something completely different or unrelated. That's exactly the type of thing that the intelligence agencies would do.
1: Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of great work on the MK Ultra kind of LSD testing and that stuff in the past, and it's interesting. I'll to send you the documentary. I'll definitely keep you in loop on that. It's very interesting to see that the argument of the video is essentially that that's what that testing involved in the LSD. Rec- it was recognizing the opposite. It showed anti anti authoritarian kind of mindset, mm-hmm. and so the following research was like, okay, that needs to be shut down. It's just a theory, but very interesting. Yeah, that, that's frustrating that we have these entire, you know, decades of, of, of dangerous medications being given for a theory, which is all that rested on, right? A hypothesis. And here we are again. You know, it's, it's very, very frustrating. So on that exact point, by the way, the final point on COVID I wanted to ask you is, you know, what, what do you feel this, not just the injections and the damage, but everything, the lockdowns, the mass, the psychological, the mass psychosis, you know, what do you think this is doing and will do to the population going forward? And do you think this was a, again, sort of the vaccine question, like a failed effort that just blew up in their face? Or maybe like we've talked about, like priming people for what comes next?
0: Uh, sorry, in, re- in regards to what specifically?
1: The whole thing, the whole COVID-19, the lockdowns, the masks, the you know, all of it. What do you think this what to make it simple? What do you think the lasting repercussions are going to be on the population?
0: Well, here's one thing that's sticking out to me at this precise moment, precisely because I was just looking at that, you know, SSRI stuff and things along those lines. It's just hitting me with renewed force how as little as two and a half years ago. Saying that Big Pharma were a bunch of evil, murderous corporations that were only interested in sucking off the population uh, while feeding them dangerous chemicals would not have been a controversial statement amongst a lot of people um, uh, in the reality community. Obviously, that was not a mainstream talking point, but a lot of people say on the left and what have you um, absolutely would have been on on board with that. But now it's literally people rolling up their sleeves and singing peons to Pfizer and trust the science and burning their, uh, their Anthony Fauci uh, candles and things like this. (laughs) That aspect of the psyop that's taken place is when you really step back and think about it is stunning Mm -hmm. and really goes to show that essentially they can engineer whatever behavior they want in at least enough of the population that they can get away with a lot of very dark agendas. Because that is, I mean, that is other than completely, utterly 100% transforming someone's identity, you can't get much more transformative than that. Someone's one of people 's base core understandings of the world these these corporations are not in your best interest suddenly, these corporations are in your best interest, and I must do whatever they say that's mind control on an amazing level and yeah, that yeah. in a, in a sense that's almost more disturbing to me than the out the sort of the external layering of the biosecurity infrastructure and all of that because if they just try to put in the biosecurity tyranny and people still understand the corporations are out to get them and this isn't helping And this. If they're still in that mindset, then they can try to, you know, put the boot on your face, but people will push it off one way or another eventually. But if people want the boot on their face, if they can be made to desire it, that is big brother's biggest victory is, you know, I've won the war with myself. I love big brother. That to me is the really disturbing implication of this.
1: Yeah, it really is. Now you say that, it's just almost, it's, it's unnerving to see if you just kind of think back on a couple of different examples. They've already been kind of seeding and testing this for a while. The one that popped into my head was like Guantanamo Bay, how literally everybody was like, this is a stain on our reputation as a country, get rid of it now. And then suddenly Trump's an election. Oh, it's the greatest place ever fighting for freedom. It's like, how in the world on a dime did that happen? And, you know, it seems they realized they could be successful. Obviously, the two-party paradigm plays a big role in that. But that's a scary thought that, you know, if, if they just manufacture, which seems like we're almost already there, the idea that tyranny is a good thing, kind of, you know, regime change is about freedom. It's the same kind of idea. They're altering definitions. That's a scary reality. It's a great point to make. And, and I think. And yeah, sure. just
0: think a few years ago, vaccine hesitancy was a problem with those crunchy granola lefties on the left coast. You know, that was right, where right. the vaccine hesitancy was coming from and the problem. But now it's a, you know, crazed right wingers in Florida are, you know, yeah. vaccine hesitant to use. Their psyop term, which we should not use without pointing out it is a psyop.
1: Right. What's such an interesting just right there to recognize the kind of teeter totter of the way that the two party part always back and forth. Like I always point out, you know, back then it was the crazy evangelical right that now it's the crazy left and their woke politics. You know, just it always goes back and forth and. It's, you know, we have this like attention span of a housefly. We can't recognize that it goes further than one day's news cycle, you know, and that's that's by design as well. I shouldn't say the generalizations when I say that I'm talking about the people that are lost in the paradigm. And I yeah. actually don't even think that's the majority today. Just my yeah. opinion, but I agree. Well, well I'm, I'm glad to hear that because it's, you know, at the very least wishful thinking we should be positive about <laughs> where it's going. But to, to bring this over into kind of what's next, and that's the idea of like priming us for something. And we already kind of poked at this a little bit. Is To take one of them, there's a lot of possibilities, but monkeypox is a conversation that seemed to kind of rise out of nowhere, not have any real foundation to it. There's no deaths. There's very few and flimsy information about who and how. They're still arguing that this is different and never argued why. Like nothing makes sense. And yet now we already have the WHO calling it an emergency and Biden's already considering to do so. So I guess the first question is, you know, as we watch this biosecurity state flesh out, you know, why is this happening and why do you think what's your, in your perspective on what monkey pox would be and like the transition of this? All right. So
0: here's, okay. Just to put people on, on the same page, I think it's important to understand what has just happened is that the world health organization specifically declared it a public health emergency of international concern. And I hope, I hope my audience is sick to death about hearing about the PHEIC because I've been, I have been screaming my head ab- ab- off about it for a decade now Because this has always been that sort of that thing that's been out there, the tool, the instrument for instituting the biosecurity state. And I was talking about it way back in the swine flu hoax of 2009, because that was people might remember that was the first declaration of the PHEIC, which was brought into the whole World Health Organization framework under the International Health Regulations of 2006. Mm -hmm. And that was where they got this lever of control, a PHEIC. They can declare a public health emergency of international concern, which then obligates certain things from member countries. You have to share data and you have to do this and that. And then inevitably it has the effect of going, oh, the WHO has declared the public health emergency. Now we're going to declare a national emergency. And it's essentially the excuse by which every nation state can Jump onto on board with the freight train, and specifically, that's of course exactly what happened with the swine flu scare. Which, I, again, I've been over this many times in my work. People can search for it on uh, corporatereport.com. But uh, essentially, in a nutshell, they, as we know, they changed their definition of pandemic right before the swine flu pandemic came along um, to eliminate all of that uh, rhetoric about, uh, you know, mass deaths and spreading uncontrollably and whatever. Get rid of that. It's just a new illness that's spreading uh, in more than one country. Okay, now, so swine flu is a pandemic, but in order to breach that hurdle and get the PHEIC called, um, they had to convene their expert panel of advisors And lo and behold, that expert panel decided, yes, this is a PHEIC. So at that time, executive director of the WHO Margaret Chan declared the public health emergency and they were off to the races. And of course, we all remember the swine flu vaccine that they rolled out and all of that. And um, I've I've played clips at that time and in subsequent years um, that I remember because it was from my hometown of Calgary where they were interviewing people on the street that were lined up, queued around the block Waiting for their chance to get this swine flu vaccine, and people were complaining there isn't enough swine flu vaccine to go around in a city of a million people. How do they how do they mess this up this badly? These these brainiacs in government just don't understand. And and then couple that with the clip uh, from Council on Foreign Relations, and I can't remember who said this at the time, but I have I have got the clip. I've played it before of someone saying, you know, we might just have to cur- curtail supply a little bit so that people feel that there is. a a demand for this, and they can see that people are lined up for it so that they'll be more uh, apt to take it. And lo and behold, that's, of course, exactly how that played out. And then you got the Council of Europe coming out a year later and saying, hey, you know what, guys, this was a big scam. And it turns Mm -hmm. out that a number of people on this advisory panel who were advising the WHO to declare this emergency were also Uh, directly or indirectly benefiting from big pharma contracts, sitting on boards of big pharma companies and what have you. Wow, I wonder how that works. So they were screaming about that, Wolfgang Wodarg and other people who have come up in the corona scam crisis as well, um, were talking about that a decade plus ago. And here we are again. So that's what has just happened with the monkeypox. Although, interestingly enough, it's a little factoid that was embedded in, uh, I believe, the Guardian's coverage of this, it turns out that there was not even a consensus among the expert advisory panel that was advising on this PHEIC. So Dr. Tedros Gabriasis, the current executive director of the WHO, stepped in to personally break the deadlock. He decided, okay, it's a public health emergency. So now we have literally just coming down to this one guy just deciding okay it is a public health emergency of international concern and as i say that's that springs into action a number of different things that will happen as a result of that including the uh sharing of data and essentially the all the groundwork which makes it into the potential for the new corona scam crisis and of course as always the specter of the vaccines coming along oh it turns out we've got some vaccines that will help with well, yeah, I don't think they were designed for monkeypox, but it'll work. Anyway, whatever. Take it safe and effective.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it's and by, d- by the way, everything you laid out right there has all been seen through COVID-19, which is what you're saying. I mean, all of, every single part of it. I, I, I recently po- talked about this old archived article, which, by the way, was literally unpublished from Forbes. Like if you if you try to look at the site, it says it was unpublished, which is crazy. But this is what you were talking about. Why the who faked a pandemic from Forbes dot com. And it talks about the whole thing. And I also, I also include this next one from a year later, which was put out by the WHO, specifically Luke Bonnier and, and Wim Van Dam, and arguing the same thing, exactly what you're arguing. We're, you know, pandemics of fear and the whole, the whole thing. And the idea is that this is something we have seen before and that we're calling it out back then, exactly like you're saying. And it's just amazing how they go, OK, well, then we need to get rid of these people and do this better instead of recognizing that it's, you know, it's such an obvious scam, whether or not you think something is dangerous. You know, it's being hyped, changing. definitions. This one, this one in particular
0: is particularly strange, isn't it? it because is. uh, th- they're not allowed to say this is only spreading in, uh, among gaming they 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 will always say that it seems to be most of the people are men who have sex with men or whatever formulation they say anyway right. it, it is clearly spreading among gay men in various countries right now but they'll always tell you about the two pediatric cases in the united states there are two children who have somehow contracted this and they will give a little bit of fine print about oh and yeah it's from close contact with uh, family members who have have this so we know there's some direct um, uh, contact with this. It's not; they're not even pretending it's some sort of respiratory disease right. or anything at this point. But um, I, I, I did read somewhere, and I haven't sourced this. So again, if anybody has sourcing on this, but I, I read that one of the children was already immunocompromised in some way, and the other, uh, I can't remember the details of it, but it was something. It was something. Uh, uh, anyway, it was something that that put it in a different light. Um, mm-hmm. And then this isn't, oh, my God, now think of the kids. Right. This is but they're of course, they're going to play up that angle of the two pediatric cases. Right. Right. Because they have to get people invested in this again. So many echoes back to the 80s yep. and the AIDS crisis. And right. we all know who was in charge of that um, in yeah, the U.S. at right. any rate at that time.
1: So much overlap. I mean, it's just incre- so many directions to talk about whether I mean, I, I'm not going to get into that now because it's, it's the, you know, the HIV, whether it's connected. And I mean, all this stuff, the immuno, the vaccine induced immunodeficiency that we're seeing today. I mean, it's just incredible. Or even the fact that it turns out that 40 mo- percent, this is a direct po- report from New England Journal of Medicine, 40 percent, 41 percent of the cases they've seen all have HIV. Mm. Uh, how do you uh, how do to explain that like it's there's something very strange going on here but I, I wanted to include that uh the the you mentioned the injections and I'm glad you said that because just a brief note because this is so important as they're pushing these injections right now biden's authorized like they, they apparently apparently i think this was even forbes i- i don't want to misquote which outlet put it out there but they they reported that they have already allowed one of these injections to be given to a child. I mean, not only are they not in danger, less so than the COVID-19 scam, but as I've just ran over, I mean, these things, as you pointed out, they're, te- they're for things for smallpox. And the ones that are, are are used for smallpox alone, their own documentation shows that by taking these, you can actually then infect other people with that disease, which is ridiculous. But none of them are allowed for children. All of them are incredibly dangerous. As you know, they've called it the most dangerous vaccine in general in 2002 but all these things are dangerous and then based on mostly animal studies that are inferred for humans i mean you can't get more unscientific and dangerous than this it just blows me away it really does
0: you know it's just another data point on the trail that again i can't point to the smoking gun but it it seems like we are being actively poisoned in every direction in every way to actively make people ill yeah right. uh, in order to feed them more of the cure which is also making them ill and again i don't think this can be coincidental um right. i i think it, it, unfortunately this is the sad reality of the biosecurity state as it starts to grow and flex its muscles i think more people will get sick and which will justify more of the biosecurity as state as usual
1: just like foreign policy right we kill people and then we point at it and say look what's happening and it's it's not we i should say but you know the governments but you know and that that's the the obvious kind of roundabout about this whole thing, you know, it, it's it, it's obviously they're using the very thing they're causing as always. And so, what what do you think in regard to why this ridiculous part has been pushed forward? Now, is it like the like my point is with the side effects of the injections and what they say they're seeing? Whether again, just like COVID, whether there is something that's out there? What do you think this really is? Just a cover up of the side effects? Or is it something that they're using for that? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's interesting that it's being thrown in there. Yeah, and it's just again, strategy. I
0: have nothing definitive. I cannot say. Uh, uh, I, I'm trying to think about this sort of strategically. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm in charge of this creation of this biosecurity paradigm. Would I? Would I spring some sort of new monkey? Okay, now I'm going to throw monkeypox into this, and uh, you know, I, is that the best strategic thing to do in this? Or is this just something that's happening and they're going to jump on board with it? Again, I don't know definitively. Um, it does. It does just seem strange, especially yeah. at this at this point where they're obviously still trying to keep the COVID uh, thermostat so that they can crank it up or down as needed. Right now, we're living through the worst wave ever in Japan of the dreaded COVID scourge and BA five or whatever subvariant they're saying it is, and now yeah. uh, you know. So they they've still got their lever, their hand on that lever. And the public's already getting sick of that. Mm-hmm. So is this an attempt to distract the public with something different, get people on board with something else in order to continue riding the train? Or is this too much at once and people will just reject it all? Yeah. I guess that's up for to us to decide, isn't it?
1: Right, right. And let's not forget the weird anomaly of like those monkeys that were being transported that escaped like right before this started. Like it just yeah. feels like this is being seeded yeah. very weirdly. But um, interestingly,
0: um, I'm also like, marauding monkeys in, uh, was it? Kagoshima or somewhere in Japan, um, just a, a few days ago, uh, injured forty-two people before they managed to tranquilize them.
1: Interesting. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that. In and somewhere. the first
0: Tokyo case of monkeypox was was detected last week as well. So. Interesting.
1: Well, just to add on to that, before we go into the next part of this, is that that the mask itself, at to your point about the illness, then I agree with you. I don't see how it's possible that it, at some level there's not a conscious choice to at least ignore the damage or use it because the mask is one point that I always add that it's undeniable that they knew specifically that cloth masks as they've now admitted and nobody points that out. We just decided to shift and change and no one, no new science guys. Lena Wen just said so. And Gottlieb just said so weirdly at the same day on the different channels, Fox and CNN, what a strange thing. Nope. Go to go to ninety fives. but the bacterial pneumonia, the increase of infection, this is peer reviewed science and they knew this, it was there. So how do you miss that? They're telling people to wear the thing that they knew would increase it. It's just, it's it's hard to miss, you know. But as always, people can come to their own conclusions about it. It's just data, you know. But to to bring oh, go ahead. You have a point. No, no. Go to, ahead. To bring this to the the part that it's one, I guess one of the next possible <laughs> in, in, in parts of this illusion, the, the climate change lockdown kind of expectation, which is just so transparent that they've already been seeding the idea right in the beginning of COVID. So let's first just kind of talk about, because and the reason we want to talk about that is to where this is obviously leading into the great reset technocratic future, the gen 2030. I mean, all of this overlaps in together. But what have you so far seen the, the heat wave kind of push? And I was, just wanted your thoughts on that. Because it just, again, with the monkeypox thing, it's the easiest thing in the world to prove that this is not even remotely what they're saying. Yes, there's a heat wave. Is it abnormally hot? Maybe in some places, but go ahead. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I think
0: the way that this th- this particular agenda is playing out with the uh, uh, the agenda 2030 and the goals and all of this, the mm-hmm. way this is playing out, in some ways, I, I feel as even more of an existential threat to the hu- humanity itself than the biosecurity state, which is obviously a huge threat. But it's so fundamentally important what is happening right now. And it's in the service of a much greater agenda than is obviously being presented to the public. Um, So in order to start grasping that, I would suggest people take a look at a couple of uh, uh, editorials I've written recently on We're All Dutch Farmers Now and We're All Sri Lankan Farmers Now, where it turns out, you know, the Netherlands, Ireland, Argentina, Canada... Sri Lanka, all of these countries, all around the world, all at the same time, introducing all of these arbitrary restrictions on nitrogen and other such things, uh, inputs into farming, which, by the way, is going to mean basically the end of a bunch of small farmers. Uh, you know, wow, just coincidental, right? No, of course it isn't coincidental. And you can look at all of the various international agreements that exist that most people don't know about, because right. why would they? But they, they're all heading towards the same goal, which ultimately, really, I think is about the takeover of the food system Mm -hmm. uh, itself. And it's one of those interesting things. There's the paradox. There's what we all know. I won't speak for everyone, but I think what every right thinking person knows should be the answer to this problem, this fundamental systemic problem of this global, this insane global food system in which we need all of these chemical inputs from big ag corporations uh, to transport wheat halfway around the world so that you can have some bread or something along those lines. It it is an insane and obviously stupid system, which is failing. Mm -hmm. But what's the answer to that? They're going to... Okay, so they're going to start shutting down all these systems, which is going to basically put all these farmers out of business. And then they're going to say, look, there's a food crisis. What will we do? Oh, I know. Synthetic meat, GM, big big ag, big landholders are going to take over and start in, in, input technocratic solutions to all of this. Oh, and look at that. Bill Gates is the largest single, a holder <laughs> of land, of farmland. And that's got to be people. one
1: of the most ridiculous parts of this whole thing. During Absolutely. COVID-19. You couldn't
0: write this. You couldn't write this in a Hollywood movie and expect people to believe it.
1: Yeah, but right. there it is.
0: Absolutely. So I think that's what, I mean, this is what this is about. It's, it's not just about the, Takeover of resources themselves. It's about essentially the takeover of humanity because once you start engineering the food supply and you get people now, they're right now they're hooked on this insane international system of chemical inputs and all of this, but it gets even worse because soon it'll be literally synthetic garbage which will poison people even further as they're more and more controlled and ultimately engineered into that subclass, the uh, the Morlocks and the Eloys of the right. time machine. I mean, they're really, I think, truly going to try to engineer a subspecies that might be more compliant. And that that sounds absolutely insane, right? From some crazed conspiracy theorist. So don't take it from me, take it from BBC News. Right. I've pointed it out several times. I will continue to point it out because it's so stupid, it can't be believed. But I remember reading, I believe it was 2008, they had an article about scientists believe this is the way the human species could diverge in the future because some people will take the genetic upgrades and become supermen and other people will not and they literally have this illustration of this gigantic seven foot tall well muscled you know Aryan super race kind of person and then this squat goblin like creature that was literally how they described it in the article squat goblin like creature that's, hilarious. Uh, that's and that's BBC news is talking about this I I mean it's fun to laugh at but think about the imp- applications i they're really going to go for this and they're really going to try to make us addicted to their synthetic garbage and eating crickets and whatever else as yeah. part of the takeover
1: of humanity it's happening and you could point out whether or not, and i agree with you but when, even if there was not like even if this was just presented to the population here is something that we offer but it's expensive that would become itself anyway only the rich could afford it and only their families would and so on. And you know, it would eventually just diverge into different races. I mean, that's, that's a foregone conclusion if that happens because that just genetic engineering. I mean, it's, but to your point, yeah, that eugenics aspect of it and so on, that they would make that happen. And of course, as your point even further, that the people would be used, you know, they're even, you know, the peons even more so, like the ones that will just mindlessly do what they're told. And yeah, interestingly enough, that actually ties back to the idea of the whole SSR SSRI conversation, what they were trying to accomplish. You know, it's trying to create or how about our public school system, <laughs> create mindless workers that follow and do what they're told. They're, everything that comes from that direction seems to be in the same line. So it's not hard to believe. Very interesting.
0: You know, it's moments like this where you can step back and look at the the sort of the overall picture of this and really marvel at how much how hard how long how how much energy and time and effort and wealth and resources they have to throw at constructing these stupid oh. monumental overarching anti-human systems of control to try to take away what's natural and give us all of the synthetic nonsense whether it's synthetic food or synthetic education or whatever it is it's such an incredible monumental work to have to do that whereas nature itself is abundant And humanity survived for millions of years, or however long you think humanity has been around, survived for a very long time without all of this artificial nonsense. And now that it's being introduced, suddenly crisis after crisis after crisis, things are getting worse and worse and worse. Really step back and think about this. It is so anti-human. It is so antithetical to to the nature that uh, it it requires ongoing, uh, large amount of input to keep this system functioning or dysfunctioning, misfunctioning, misfu- malfunctioning in the way that they want it to. And in a way that's hopeful. And I'm going to be writing about that in this weekend's uh, editorial that I'm going to be writing about. Ultimately, I think technocracy will fail. It is anti-human. It does mm-hmm. go against nature. It will not stand. Unfortunately, that <laughs> it, it, it will cause a whole lot of pain before I think it falls. Right. It will fall.
1: And I, I'm glad you said that. I mean, that's, again, I I agree with you. And I I think that that's the, the problem that people are, they, it will be easy to make it look like it's not going that direction, right? Because they're, they will, like I said before, they're not just going to go, Oh, we lost. It's going to get worse. It's going to be painful. It's going to be rough. And, you know, and that, and that's what any, I mean, truly anything worth doing is going to be difficult, right? So this is something we need to stand our ground on because it's obviously, this is such a monumental thing that's happening right now. And it's, I agree. I mean, it's, it can't get much more dark than this. And that's not meant to be hyperbolic or fear-mongering. It's just, it's very clear to see what's happening. And even if they think, even if they genuinely think it's the right thing, even if some other people think that, I mean, it's, 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 it's counter to the human species and every, I mean, it's stated, you can listen to Klaus Schwab talk about these things and the new, the fourth industrial revolution. I mean, all this stuff is not what most people want voted for or so on. I mean, it's just, it's, like we said earlier in the discussion it's like they're they're manufacturing the justification the reality for what they're telling you you want it's 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 pretty incredible to watch happen but i think that the next part of this the climate change push of this which if you want to comment on climate change itself that's a whole bee's nest of a conversation but it's yeah. important I'll, I'll include some uh um tony heller's work i really respect he does a great job on that for people that want to dive more but if you have any comments go ahead on the illusion uh,
0: yeah. Okay. So if there's anyone in your audience who is not, I'm not familiar with my work on the subject. I did a questions for Corbett recently, and I don't know which number off the top of my head, but just go into questions for Corbett on my site. You'll find it in one of the recent episodes where I did uh, all your climate questions answered in 60 seconds, yes. which is a bit of a joke because, um, because I have done so much work on yeah. this over the years, work, but man. basically I've got dozens and dozens of links in there to interviews, videos, podcasts, articles that I've written people that I've talked to, all of this stuff about this hoax and why it's interesting from the very beginning of the inception of the Corbett Report, I always expected there would be huge pushback and it would be really controversial, but actually 9-11 truth and things like that was not, when I started to get into in 2007, it turned out not to be as controversial as I expected. The one thing that was consistently and always controversial was climate change is a, is a hoax. It is a scam designed to get you especially directly into what we're seeing right now with all of this nonsense that's going on that the Dutch farmers and others are finally starting to say, oh, you know, we got to rise up against this. And maybe not even necessarily for the right reason, as in standing up to the scam fundamentally. They're just no, oh, this is hitting my pocketbook. I better stand up. Well, better late than never, better for incomplete reasons than for no reasons at all, I guess. But um, the point is, anyway, there's so much to say about this. Yes, humanity has, and continues to do horrible things to the environment. And most of those things do not get major international movements that are plastered all over the mainstream media, all every day and and mouthed by every politician and grandstanded on by every single person who wants to make a name for themselves. No, the the real threats, the genetic engineering and all of this monstrosity that's happening to the uh, the ecosystem, generally crickets. You will eat the bugs, um, but uh, it, it, obviously this is rock star super science in the same way. Say, hey, eugenics was the rock star super science of the 1910s, 1920s, and everybody was on board with it, and everyone talked about it. And then suddenly you don't talk about that anymore. Suddenly right. you talk about the the growth of the human population as a cancer on the planet, and there's too many people. So uh, it's deeply related. is deeply intertwined with the depopulation agenda and the idea that the world is overpopulated, which is not true, demonstrably not true. I've done work on that before as well. And that's another issue that always gets a lot of kickback, but it's, it's demonstrably twined, uh, intertwined with that through things like the club of Rome and their limits to growth. I did a questions for Corbett, deep dive on are there limits to growth um, about that, that report and the scaremongering that was going on around it and total pseudoscience nonsense, easily debunkable, but it sticks in people's minds and people get led along by it. And you can get led into agendas you don't support overall. And if you saw the end goal, you wouldn't be supporting it, but Hey, it's the right thing to do because, well, you know, there's too much carbon dioxide. So Anything
1: the U.N. says. Yes. Right. Right. That's what it is, because this, the right people have said so, like with the CDC, with everything today is, you know, the thing that always stood out to me is just how I mean, and this doesn't have to always mean that it is inherently untrue because of this, but. It blows me away how people can keep kicking things down the road, like the population bomb conversation, same as the climate change. That oh, it's th- by this date we're all going to die. Oh, we rent that date. Oh, now it's this date. Okay, you know it just keeps going down. it's just it's it's embarrassing. At the very least, ask yourself maybe they don't know as much as they think they do. But it just keeps going.
0: Yeah, uh, meet Paul Ehrlich, pseudoscience charlatan was an episode of my podcast that people might want to check out if they don't know what you're talking about. The very specific predictions on specific years, this will, it it will be like this and, and whatever. And uh, consistently, totally wrong. Paul Ehrlich, the, the, the population bomb author who uh, was on uh, Johnny Carson every night back in the seventies and was (laughs) a big superstar and continues to be lauded as this great scientist, despite the fact that he's been consistently, completely demonstrably laughably wrong about almost everything he has ever predicted but he's still the superstar because it is an agenda. It isn't a scientific analysis. This is an agenda that is being pushed by the, the wealthiest and most powerful people on the planet. Look at the, mem- the founders of the Club of Rome. Look at the people who started right. that and we're pushing it and funding it. I wonder why they are on board with this agenda for limiting popu- population and, and, and ba- basically trying to blame all the problems that they are causing on you. It's because you aren't doing enough peasant
1: Right. Typical. <laughs> it's just, just like every possible direction you could point in. That makes sense. Well, to the, the, the I guess on the last part on climate change in, in general is, you know, how can you how does that connect to Gen 2030 for those that don't know? And then we could talk about that, you know, technocracy, the great reset to finish up the discussion today. You know, it, it's ultimately
0: one of those things where it's the co-op co-optation of things that are real and shunting them into the synthetic and fabricated um, version of it, which is not only not real, it's also detrimental. And what I mean by that is sustainable development. And I think people in the conspiracy reality space will see that term, sustainable development, the sustainable development agenda, the UN agenda for 2030 and all of this will, will understand, no, this is a, this is a scam. It's an anti-human agenda. They're doing it for control, but then they start to associate all of the concepts around that sustainability and things like this with, well, it's evil. It's a globalist, you know, it's all, but no, there, there is a real sense in which, yes, there are sustainable practices and, and we should be using less nitrogen and chemical inputs in, in farming and things like this, there there is something to be said there. Yes, there is a real thing, but they're trying to essentially piggyback on that to put their agenda through. So right. I think we have to differentiate and understand that there is the real and there is the fake, and they are trying to sell us the fake version of it. Um, but yes, the UN Agenda 2030, um, if people look at the Sustainable Development Goals, which will lead us into this Agenda 2030, um, it's all the wooly fluffy beautiful things about ending poverty and you know educating children and helping women and all of these things that in the most vaguest generalities you know I, yes i'm for stopping people starving to death Yay, yeah <laughs> right yeah okay but how do you do that right. what are the actual d- devils in the details and when you start to dr- drill down on it it's always always about technocratic control essentially of of populations of food supplies of food systems and in the climate change argument is is one of the major reasons that they give for the urgency essentially of what they're doing um, the idea of the climate emergency it's gone from global warming to climate change to climate emergency because without that aspect of existential crisis we've got to do something they can't ramrod through all of these anti-human agendas that they're trying to ramrod through
1: it's we i keep pointing this out that i mean it's, it's always been there but we are really in the time of of emergency governance right now just one to the next to the next multiple simultaneous i mean it's just it's obvious how that's used and opens up all these emergency powers and rule by mandate and everything else and it's 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 that's i think that's one of the biggest parts we need to push back on right now is that they are just as you said ramrodding this stuff through in every possible direction and it's it, it it's as i mean as if we've ever really had the influence we thought we did that's a big question to ask about voting and then everything else this just makes it much more obvious that they can just push through whatever and it does seed the idea in your mind that well look everything's running and they're doing it and they know what's best and maybe i'll just sit back and not have to be involved like that's almost kind of what they want you just to it seems like that's what one thing covid really did is you know two years it's like well just that's now the norm all the kids that were under this they just expect the government to deal with it and we don't need to be involved do we We just need to vote once every four years that's what it feels like to me
0: yeah it's um i think that is the overall trend of most of the propaganda and psyops that have been run against the population for at least a century now Mm -hmm. is to essentially take people out of their role as people interacting and acting, acting agents in the world who can do things and putting them in the role of passive part uh, spectators, making it a spectator sport, enjoy the show. Um, You know, and and, uh, there's so many different aspects to that, but essentially taking away your agency, it has been the name of the game for, as I say, at least a century, probably presumably centuries, but uh, that's been perfected in the modern form of governance in which, yes, your, your role as a good sheep is to, once every four years, you'll go drop a piece of paper in a ballot box. And that's, yeah. you, that's not just your, that, that's your duty. And you've done your part and you've helped save humanity by putting your paper in that su- slave suggestion box. Um, it's, it's tragic to think about because I know, and I, I assume you will share this idea. I, I know if people realized their power that their, their power, it's still up to you how you interact in this world. And yes, you are limited by various circumstances, but you can still make decisions. And if, if there were enough people energized and switched on, as, right. as you often say, I think there are more people that are aware of this agenda and more people are not buying into this than they're, they're telling us. And I agree with that. But I think people still don't understand the power is ultimately ours. We get to choose what happens, and that's why they are so concerned about locking down, controlling, tr- propagandizing, trying to keep the lid on this boiling pot.
1: I completely agree, and one thing I've, I've continued to say that I that I think it might have come from last time we t- we talked on the last interview, but in any case, it was something you said, which is you know this will stop when we stop it, and it sounds simple, but it's it's really just about that same same idea. I'm kind of making in the majority point is it whether it's 50%, 55%, 70%, if we realize that and truly just stop, you know, we can, I mean, I'm not going to argue that we'll just end everything to our other point. They won't give up. I don't think that's never going to happen. But it can make a
0: difference. Look specifically at France and their COVID pass. Right. And enough people came together, left, right, whatever. They came together and said, hell no. And yeah, no, it's not going to be the end of it. It's not the end of the whole system, but it is something. And we can make... Those gains, if we if we flex those muscles
1: and you point at the Dutch farmers or Sri Lanka protests and all these different stuff, it's obvious that there's an effect being done there. And to your point of previous research on like the Milgram experiment. Right. That's a big step right there. We need to show people that this is possible. You can stand up and say no. Right. And people are going to stand up with you. And it it does. And it, it can and is having an effect. You know, I mean, just even just the protests we're pointing out, we're watching them pop up in other places and countries near them. And, you know, it, and that, I think more than anything, as you I think you said previously in this interview, scares them more than anything. Yes. And that.
0: that's you know, that's exactly why. Because I, I remember during the Canadian trucker. Phenomenon in January, February. I remember saying at the time, people are going to try to make this about it's about truckers, and now we'll have a trucker movement in the US and a trucker movement in Australia. It's not about the truckers. And now it's Dutch farmers, and it's going to be about the farmers. And now it's all the farmers. And that's why I'm saying we're all Dutch farmers now. We're all Sri Lankan farmers now. We have to understand this is not about these particular groups. This is about all of us. They are coming after all of us, and it will be you and your livelihood, no matter where you live or what you're doing. It will come after after you next but they're hoping as usual they can drive the wedge in the population and keep us apart and no it's just the farmers it's just the truckers sit back and enjoy the show they're going to they're going to protest for you or something along those lines no right. we have to understand we are in this together we will hang together or we will
1: hang separate Right, And to the partisan point, that's obviously what they did with the truckers as well. Oh, it's those conservatives and they're all white supremacists or whatever. And it's, you know, drive that wedge in. You know, we can't let that happen. And that's such a transparent effort in and of itself. And even to that same point, I'm a, I don't even believe everybody's even falling for that. It's just about the argument that they are and letting that fly. You know, that, that's the problem right now. But this obviously this whole discussion is speaking to the future that they're trying to build. The technocratic Panopticon, the great reset idea that is about reimagining everything because it doesn't work, except aren't they responsible for why it's not working? Who cares? You know, it's like that that's the problem with where we are. We've seen vaccine passports pushed out, even though that was a crazy conspiracy theory right up until it was used, and now you're crazy for not using it. You know, we've seen your your great work on social credit, China built, you know, showing that being real, and them pointing at that almost like almost like drooling about what that could be, but bad guy China at the same time. carbon tracking we've had the conversations of this and so you know where are are all these leading in your mind and how does that come together in what they're talking about with this this future idea and let's let's kind of finish on the uh the the treaty and where that goes and other thoughts around that
0: right okay well yes for people who don't know about the global pandemic treaty that uh, they're working on right now and supposedly, hopefully, they're going to unveil in 2024 after their rounds of public input, of course, because they value your input, guys. Um, if you don't know about that, I did a podcast on it a couple months ago on the Global P- Pandemic Treaty. Here's what you need to know, something along those lines. So people can look at that for the sort of detailed deep dive, and I go into the documents and what, what's what been released and what they're doing and show some of the, the proceedings and what have you. Um, but essentially, yes, they're just going to try to... Uh, essentially run the football as far down the field as they can based on the generated crisis of the past couple of years and whatever they can get away with with monkeypox. Hey, if they can crank up the heat with that, all the better for essentially ginning up the sense of crisis in order to institute more of their controls. So I think that is something that we have to be aware of. But it's, as has been pointed out, just given the nature of the WHO international health regulations, they don't necessarily actually even need the treaty itself, they can amend those regulations. Um, I don't know the exact bureaucratic procedure for it and how many people have to vote and what. But at any rate, it can be amended so they don't have to actually create an entirely new treaty. And it's not even clear at this point exactly what a new treaty will be going for. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there with a lot of ideas, but no, there's, there's certainly been no f- official you know, we're going to try to do this or that kind of thing come out yet. So it could go in a number of different directions.
1: Really quickly, we also saw with even without any of that, look at what happened with COVID-19. So clearly, they yeah. feel it's already there where they're legally bound yeah. anyway. But Go ahead.
0: Exactly. They just want to make sure that it's, it's there in law so that they can mm. clamp down even harder next time. And uh, so that that's definitely part of it. But I think what you hit on in setting up that question was the, the sort of fundamental underlying point of this, that th- there is a guiding ideology to all of this. Um, there's a guiding ideology to the guiding ideology as well. So I guess how many levels deep do you want to go? But technocracy is the name of the game. It's the uh, technic- technocratic control. And I guess in its most bland generic reading, technocracy is ruled by a scientific or a... Or, uh, uh, Intellectual elite, essentially, who know best how how to steward over society the social and and political engineering of society, um, but ultimately what it's about is I think I identified as the exact same thing that was the the kernel of the idea of eugenics, which was the exact same thing which was the kernel of the idea of divine right of kings or whatever else has been proffered in the past as the essentially justification for rule by a small group um is it's always you know whatever god gave us right to rule over you or it's in our genes or oh we're just the we're we're the scientific knowledgeable intellectual elite you guys wouldn't understand so just trust the science uh, but it's always just a, a fig leaf of Justification for, we get to rule over you guys. So shut up and take it. And you should like it because this is the natural order of things. That's generally the message. And so this is the latest iteration of it. Of course, being in the 21st century, it has to have this cool, shiny technological gloss. And you can get the ham handed, nerdish, stupid way of doing that, like Bill Gates, who I don't think is going to win any charm. Uh, prizes from, from the general public or it could be elon musk he's cool and flashy and he memes on twitter and wow cool yay bring us the brain chip elon um, but at any rate, it's the same idea. it's It's essentially the rule of the majority for the benefit of a tiny few. And as I say, the fig leaf, the justification is it's the scientific and technological elite. but ultimately, it's about the what has always been about the same the same groups of extremely wealthy people just basically assuring that they have control over as much of the human population as they can. And unfortunately, that control will come in the technological form soon enough. And eventually, you know, if enough people get the brain chip and they can just flip the switch and suddenly, I love, I love Elon now. Yeah. It, it's coming. It, that kind of craziness is coming. And I think we have to be, we have to sc- stare that square in the face because, like so many of these agendas, if you look one step ahead, oh, that makes sense. One step ahead. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, one step ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. 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 And then you end up in this spot where if you had seen the end goal from right. the beginning, you would have said, hell no, no, absolutely not. But one step at a time, you can be led into almost anything.
1: Right. I mean, and you can see the clear overlap there with the transhumanist kind of push of the idea of the brain chips and the implantables and where that goes. And, you know, which I think your work has been kind of the, the seeding for, the point for why I feel this way. But that it's about, you know, creating a situation where they're eternal, essentially putting their brain inside of a machine and so on. Is that kind of the same thing you're seeing?
0: Yeah, I think that's what motivates at the very least a lot of the sort of gophers of this, the Hararis and the uh, Kurzweil's and people like that. I think they probably genuinely do believe in this uh, Homo Deus idea and, you know, we'll become gods and whatever. I, I don't, I, I don't even necessarily think the people who are funding them genuinely believe in any of that, but it's a convenient tool for controlling some of these scientific elites.
1: Or I would say more so that the, you know, philanthropic billionaires that want to live forever (laughs) the, the, uh, I'm sure there is an aspect of that. Yeah. Well, I know that like Jeffrey Epstein was a huge investor in these kind of projects and, you know, it's the same kind of stuff that you tie back to that. It's very interesting. But so ultimately I guess this kind of it's, we can see this happening. We can see it building. We see all the pieces coming together. And in like kind of the same point you're making there that individually, You know, when you look at it all together, oh, that's a big conspiracy idea. But you look at these pieces and it's very clear they're talking about it right there. They're promoting it over here. They're talking about why this needs to happen. You know, it's all so obvious that this is what's happening in their think tanks and where it goes. And, you know, so so I guess two final questions. You know, what is the block for people not being able to see this? Because it's not that they just all agree that it's the right thing. A lot of people just truly believe this is ridiculous and not happening. So what's that block there? And what's your advice for people? And as the individual to, to push back against this?
0: Well, I don't like to kick people while they're down. I don't like to make fun of people who have been put in a position of being disabled, essentially. And that, mm-hmm. is, that is what has happened societally, civilizationally speaking, over the course of, again, at least a century, centuries. The public has been subjected to the most thoroughgoing psychological operation uh, that could be possibly imagined to convince them of the rectitude of their... The, the morality of their leaders and all of this nonsense that is on its face nonsense. But once you are subjected to that from the, the time you are born and through your 15,000 hours of indoctrination in the government indoctrination camps and all of the stuff that comes with that, all of the baggage that is laid on that, I understand people have been intellectually disabled. So some people are able to overcome that. Some people are not. And I'm not going to make fun of the people who have been so obviously it's like if someone comes along and hits you with a sledgehammer and then you make fun of them what you can't walk <laughs> you got broken bones no you don't make fun of the person who got who was the victim in this case so i won't make fun of people like that but um we continue to reach out to those people as i know you know there are more and more and more every day the cognitive dissonance switch who knows what that switch is or how it fires but at some point people snap out of it and go what the hell is happening? And more and more and more people are doing that every day, it is certainly not a lost cause to continue to reach out to people. Um, but then again, don't get yourself lost in that process because mm-hmm. some people take it upon themselves. It is, I have, to, I have to wake up this person. And if I don't, I'm a failure. If you do that, you're, you're not going to have a good time because right. there are some people who are definitely not going to snap out of it. So at any rate, keep that in mind. Um, and let me reiterate what I stressed before, because it is so important for us to keep this in mind. Technocracy will fail social engineering and and central planning does not work. it really doesn 't work. I genuinely believe that, and I know that to be true. It can unfortunately function enough and limp along long enough to cause horrible devastation to the planet, to the species to everything that we know and care about. So I don't take it lightly, but it will fail one at one point or another. And when and how it fails is largely up to us. We have to, uh, if we go along with it, if we step into this technocratic prison, then it, 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 it will function at least long enough to unfortunately spell the end of humanity with this technological nonsense they're coming up with and dreaming in the skunk works of the Pentagon. If we do not go along with it, it cannot, it will not function. It will fall. And that's why people, I hope they understand the gravity of the moment and things like the Dutch farmers and what's happening in Sri Lanka and the Canadian truckers and all of these. These are not just individual things that are happening. This is part of a global resistance movement that once it recognizes itself as that and starts to organize as that will change the course of history.
1: I love that. What a great note to end on. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think it's just about recognizing that we have the support. We need to cross party lines and recognize that this is, this is end the end all be all. We need to come together, guys. So thank you for that positive note to end on there, James. And Thank you for your outstanding work constantly. I feel like your work has been a, you know, a real beacon for people out there that it's a, it's a breath of fresh air, especially the nonpartisan aspect of it. That's, I mean, we, I think people are thirsty for it more than ever. So thank you for continuing to do that work. And thank you for joining me today, James, anything else you want to leave us with upcoming? I just uh,
0: Thank you for the work that you're doing. As I say, I've been very busy with a lot of other projects. So one way for me to keep up with the latest headlines is to uh, listen to the daily wrap up. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you.
1: Thank you, James. I'm looking forward to working with you more in the future. So as everybody out there, as always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.